Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. Amen. What are some of the most important things in your life right now? Wealth, health, success, family, leisure, football, right? What drives you? And the decisions that you make and the way that you live out your daily life. There's probably multiple factors, right, that are pulling at you in terms of what your life looks like. There's one thing that we really need, and that is faith. Faith that informs and conforms and helps us to navigate all these different things that, that tug at our heartstrings, that, that vow for our allegiance, that pull us in different directions. In today's Old Testament reading, God's people, His covenant people, Israel, stand on the cusp of the promised land. And we're in Deuteronomy, so Moses is approaching the end of his life. And he's repeating that all, all that's happened to the people of Israel, all that God has done for them, and all that God will do for them from their liberation in, in Egypt, from slavery, uh, until now. And two things kind of stand out. God's faithfulness, His, His giving His people life. And then the other thing that stands out is people sort of resenting Him because they feel that He hasn't done enough. Time and time and time again, God had given his people tangible demonstrations of his love and his power. Kindness after kindness, mercy after mercy, grace after grace that seemingly went forgotten, unnoticed, or unappreciated. In fact, when lack of comfort or convenience or contentment arise, that lack sort of takes over people's life, right? And that thing becomes all of a sudden the most important. You know, it's, it's loss. What one thing, if you lost it, would be most devastating? What one thing, if you lost it, would be most devastating to you? And there's a lot of different answers. I submit to you, uh, it is your faith. But the lack becomes a lot of times in our life, right, the most important thing. And so I'll just give you a few examples from the life of our people Israel. But you might remember that God raises up somebody to lead His people out of slavery, right? Their their groans go up to God because because of their hard labor. And God raises up Moses. And as Moses confronts Pharaoh, all of a sudden now the labor gets worse. Right? You're going to have to get your own straw to make the bricks and that kind of stuff, right? So the labor increases. And that becomes then the thing that is focused upon. That is the thing that drives sort of the people's worldview and their view of God and their view of their life, right? That loss. Or that, and in terms of this, maybe an extra burden. People forgot the promise that God had made. And just in case that you forgot how that turned out, God delivered His people with mighty acts and an outstretched arm with the ten plagues against Pharaoh. 
when they entered the wilderness, right? God provided for them miraculously, wonderfully, unexpectedly, uh, with manna, right? Literally, what is it in Hebrew? What is it? And the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they came to a um, place where they could, you know, abundant place, habitable land. Right? God provides for them day in and day out. They don't have to worry. God's going to provide for them. They ate manna until they come to the border of the land in Canaan. But what's the most important thing then? Right? What's the, it's the loss. It's the lack of variety. Right? They, they, they think, well, variety is the spice of life instead of forgetting, hey, if it weren't for God, you wouldn't have any life to begin with. Right? You'd be dead in the desert. By your own choosing, by the way. Here's what they said. Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt. That cost nothing. Uh, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And by, your, by the way, if your mouth is watering, there is a produce out from our garden that you can have after church. All right. But here's what they say. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Right? They despise the gift of God. They despise it. Nothing at all but this manna to look at. In other words, it would have been better if you would have just left us in Egypt. Really? God delivers you from slavery in Egypt. He liberates you, and, and this is the thanks that he gets, really. And again, I mentioned to you when uh, God had told his people to enter into the land that, that he had promised, uh, but they were afraid, if you remember. They had sent spies, remember? And so this sort of fear, this sort of, um, well, there's going to be a, it's going to be, there's external circumstances that seem um, like this can't happen, right? So God had promised, you're going you're gonna, to, the land, you, yeah, you can enter the land, you're going to enter it. But what did they say? We're not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than, what, than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we had gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Again, they forgot the promises of God. Right, And we know the story as it goes on. What one thing drives you, what makes, what, what, what thing um, gives you joy, contentment, and influences the rest of your life? Right? God warned the people, too, that they are going to enter the land. Right now we're in Deuteronomy. They are going to enter the land. But he warned them, don't worry, don't let that become the thing. Don't let that become the thing. But it did. became the focus of their attention. Their contentment. Their meaning. Right? Their security. All these things. God's goodness. God's love. God's providence. Again, lost. Forgotten. Left behind. History has a way of repeating for those who do not know history. Uh, that's why we look at the Old Testament. That's why it's such a blessing to us. That's why all of God's word is such a blessing to us. So today's text serves as a warning. Again, what's the, what's the one thing that conforms and drives you and helps you navigate everything else? And here's what we hear from our Old Testament 
lesson for today, our reading. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of Yahweh your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in His ways, keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply, and I, the Lord your God, will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you, today you will surely perish. God continues, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice, holding fast to Him, for He is your life and your length of days. There it is. He is your life and your length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. Choose life. What one thing drives all of your decisions? What is it? Choose life. We're not very good at choosing life. We're not very good at choosing God. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us that by our own natural powers, without God's empowerment, without God's aid, we cannot choose life at all. We don't. By the fall of our first parents, mankind became so corrupted that in divine things having to do with conversion and salvation, we are by nature blind. We're darkened in our understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in us due to our hardness of heart. I'm applying it to us instead of just to them now. Sorry. Had to do it eventually. And if God's the means of grace are not received on a regular basis, right? Those other things that pull at our, our, pull at our uh, allegiances, our attention, uh, the way we live our life, uh, they start to pull us away. They do pull us away from God. Our own sinful flesh does that as well. And so we begin to, and, and before we're converted, of course, too, uh, regard the word of God as foolishness. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit to God because they're folly. Folly means it's foolish. It's like uh, having a parade down the middle of the street without any clothes on. You wouldn't do that. It's stupid. It's, fo- it's, it's, it's outlandish. You don't do right? Folly to the natural person, that's God's word. Ugh. Doesn't apply to me. Doesn't apply in this case. Doesn't. Right? We've all done that. I'm sorry. We do not draw near to God on our own. We don't. We are and remain God's enemy until the Holy Spirit converts us, helps, uh, enables us to become a believer, and regenerates and renews us. Right? Romans 5. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, right? God reconciles us, repairs the relationship while we're enemies. By the death of his son, much more that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life indeed. What is the one thing 
that drives you and the decisions you make in the way you live out your life. And it's many things for us. So we need God's help. We need God's help. We need His Holy Spirit. We need the power that He gives us and we receive it in the means of grace. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, no. But according to His own mercy. We are stuck. We can't get out. We can't climb out of the pit. No, God has mercy on us and pulls us out. How does He do that? By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, who He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So having been justified, uh, declared righteous, by his undeserved mercy, that is grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God has a history of providing and coming to his people in many and various ways, right? He does it now through word and sacrament for us, his church. We should take advantage of that as often as possible. There's a long history of God's providence, of his dwelling with his people, with God speaking, right? Through the prophets, through the apostles. Now he speaks to us through his son. A history, uh, in the case of our Deuteronomy text, through Moses, God speaking. God making promises and and then keeping them, making good on those promises, a long history of it. And by that word, by those means of grace that God has established, He enables us, empowers us to know Him and His goodness. To know Him as the one thing that is our life, our length of days, and that informs and conforms the way that we live our life and look at reality. He comes to us. And he did it for his people Israel. Right right before this text, there is... I can't believe they don't include this in the text for the lectionary because you need what comes before to be able to discern this whole choose thing. So here's what he says. This is God speaking in the verses immediately before what you heard today uh, from Deuteronomy. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard. Uh, It's easy to understand because it's not far off. It is not in heaven that you shall say, who's going who's to be able to go up there and get it? Right? Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to heaven that we may hear it and do it? <laughs> well, Jesus descends from heaven and brings it, right? Neither is it beyond the sea, right? It's too far off that you shall say, well, who's going to go over to the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? No, God had come to them directly. The Word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. God has a history of speaking His Word to a people who are often distracted and are pulled in a million different directions, who lose hope, who who lose faith. He speaks. And His Word allows us to see God Himself as the most important thing in your life because He is our life and our length of days. Nothing else is more important 
nothing. Nothing. Earthly convenience, comfort, continuity pale in comparison to God and the blessings that He brings into His life through His Son. Forgiveness of sins, life, salvation, favor, community, all these things that are yours freely. But what happens? God comes to give His people life and people resent Him for it. Because what's the loss in your life that might break your faith? Right? Jesus does this. The Word made flesh comes to give life. And what was the response? Jesus, the Word made flesh, comes to show God's promise to enable His people, empower His people by His Spirit to know Him and His goodness to you in Jesus. Jesus is the most important thing that we possess. He has done everything needed for salvation. Everything needed for faith. He pours it out on us. Gives it to us through His Holy Spirit. Through that Spirit, we hearken God's command. Through that Spirit, we listen to God's Word. Through that Spirit, we embrace what God has to say. Through God's Spirit, that becomes, His Word becomes our life the thing that conforms and informs everything else. That's why Jesus today in the Gospel says something that's surprising. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his whole life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross... And come after me cannot be my disciple. Does Jesus really say you're supposed to hate your mom and your dad? No, of course not, right? What Jesus is saying is what is the one thing that informs you and makes your decisions? Jesus doesn't encourage us to think this way because he's an egomaniac and he needs your love. Jesus encourages us to think this way because we need his love. Jesus doesn't encourage you to think this way because He needs your life. Jesus encourages and empowers you to think this way because you need His life. It is the most important thing. By His Holy Spirit, by His working in you, by the means of grace, you have tasted and know that the Lord is good. You trust His promise. You are confident and assured that He has overcome the powers of sin, death, and the devil. By His Spirit, you can choose life and continue to do that and not let something else pull you away, drive you away. You can choose life. Because of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus, you truly have life. By God's grace. We order our lives accordingly. Amen. And may the peace of God which transcends all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.